giving you praise for being the God that you are. We thank you, God, that we serve a God that is good, that will give us the desires of our heart, forgive us of our sins, and give us eternal life. God, we thank you this morning. We're so grateful and so humble to come before your presence. We are not worthy to be called your children. As we forget all the things that you have done for us, we, we get into this place where we want to please people and please the world and forget that you are the only one that matters. God, take away the pressure that we don't become the people or we change from the people that pleases the world and back to something that you created. A loving people, a forgiving people, a worshipful people, a people free from worry and stress, knowing that we have a God that gives us lives and give it to us abundantly. And so God, this morning, we just ask that you come by here for a little while, that you stay with us and be with us continually and remind us that you are sovereign, that we are never alone. The things that we worry about, we can let go because you are true to your word. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for it's in Jesus Christ's name that we do pray and believe. Amen. Amen. Boy, I am feeling like a song. But uh, I'm a pass for the moment. I can't guarantee that it won't pop up at some point during this service. Because I did post on Facebook how much I love to sing. And I just decided after hearing so many bad singers that are making a living singing. Certainly I could come to the house of God every now and then and just let out a tune or two because I am thankful for the God that I serve. Uh, today is the second Sunday and I know my wife and I, we were remiss in our responsibility of bringing our canned goods and, and food for the LA Food Bank, but seeing as though I am currently, uh, we are currently shacking with the coordinator who <laughs> can get the food to her at a later date. <laughs> Uh, but we never want to be remiss in, in our duties uh, in doing God's business for God's people. And so as we go into uh, the service this morning, we want to remind everybody that we're dealing with the, uh, 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 the stress and worry of being a Christian uh, for the entire month uh, that we call Don't Worry, Be Happy. And the, the scripture that is covering this entire series is Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 32. I just remind everybody uh, those words, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 32. Jesus says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor what your body, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in his glory was never not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? 
Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. It's, it's, it's remarkable for us as believers that those simple words escape us. Uh, they, they, they really do escape us, <coughs> excuse me, and, and put us in a position that we don't even really think about what God has done for us in the past and, and, and what we expect to happen tomorrow. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's even telling us, don't even worry about tomorrow. You just live right now and make sure that I have, uh, I've got all your needs covered right now. And you see, birds don't know about tomorrow. They don't even know or have enough sense to go out and plant crops. They don't even have enough sense to go get a job to make sure the mortgage is paid. But yet, every night, a bird has a home to go to. Every day, a bird has food to eat. And God is saying, you don't have to worry about any of all these things that you're worried about. Worrying is not going to do anything for you. It's not going to put food on your table. It's not going to put clothes on your back. And it's certainly not going to make you grow taller or shorter. And as we get into this today, uh, 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 part two, that I'm titling it, But If Not. But If Not. But as we, we proceed, let's take a step back and see where we were uh, from last week that I brought up the three points to continue to focus on this throughout this entire series. Uh, the first point, your life and body are far more valuable than food you eat or the clothing that you wear. That's the first point to remember. Second point, God provides for birds who don't know enough to plant, reap, or store up for the winter. And he will do that for you. Third point, worry can't do anything, can't do anything for you. It won't bring you a penny. Can't put a crust of bread on the table or even add five minutes to our lives. And we've all known people who have been on their deathbed. Where, uh, people haven't even approached the deathbed, but because they know death is pending, we're praying. And then we're, well, no, some of us are not even praying. We're just worried and stressed out that we're not going to make it till next year. And you can't even give five minutes to your life, let alone a day. Forget about a year. And so what we learned or we studied last week was David and the lesson that we got two lessons from Ziklag uh, that God does not change with your circumstances. As David had gone out, he's fighting the battle. If you guys remember, he's fighting the battle and he comes back with his army, his boys, his mighty men of valor. And they come back to Ziklag where they were camped and find that the camp has been burned to the ground. Women and children and all their livestock had taken away. And David had everybody there, his boys, mighty men of valor, the ones who had done great feats and all these wondrous things with David were now ready to stone him. But it said David strengthened himself in the Lord because God didn't change. David knew that despite the fact that these people that he counted on to protect him and fight side by side with him were now getting ready to kill him that he could still turn to God because God does not change with our circumstances. He is the same before, during, and after. And the second thing we get from the lesson from Ziklag is that everybody that's riding with you ain't riding for you. <laughs> See, his boys were riding with him. 
Now, he probably would tell you, these are my ride or die. I, I take that, well, uh, uh, these are my man, this is my man, 100 grand. He's gonna, if I can take him from, from the cradle to the grave. But what we saw is that when the going got tough and when the stress mounted, and these men, they said they had cried so much they had nothing left. They couldn't even wail, couldn't have a tear come out because they had worried and stressed so much. And they were riding with David until it got hard. And then the true nature came out. I think this quote actually says, everybody that's riding with you ain't riding for you. Just let the car run out of gas and see who helps push. <laughs> Something to that effect. So when it came time to push, they ready to stone David. Because, hey, man, you spoke, we up here fighting for you. We with you. We rolling with you. And this is how you do us. Soon as we go to this battle and we come back and all my stuff is gone. You know, probably some different language. It wasn't no stuff, but all this stuff is gone. <sighs> they were riding with David. They were riding for David. So we looked at anxiety and what anxiety is. It said anxiety is a state of uh, worry is a state of anxiety over actual or potential problems. We were talking about this stress that we have when we know things are jacked up. When you know, or as I, t I talked about frequently, walking up the stairs and seeing that envelope on my door with a three-day acquit notice because of my rent was late, that was an actual problem. Potential problem of an action I may have done that I think is going to cause a problem at home, and I've anticipated this is going to be an issue, and I'm stressed out all the way only to find out my lovely wife was not worried about it. That's a lie, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the issues we have with worry, that you see with people, the effects of worry, panic attacks, depression, irritability, stomach problems, fatigue, increased blood pressure. But some of the health concerns that come about from worry and stress, COPD. Just from you chronic worrying and stressing about an issue, thyroid problems, diabetes, heart disease, and tumors. Can you imagine that, you, that you have worried and stressed yourself out to the point that you have created a, uh, a condition in your body that has created diseases, not because you've done anything, ate the wrong thing, uh, not exercising enough, just from the simple fact that you are focusing on something that you have no control over. And you focus on it to the point that now you have, it has manifested itself into actual physical diseases that will take your life. And we have to ask ourselves as believers, is this the kind of life we want that I am so consumed by the stress and worrying about how people are reacting to me or worrying about how I'm going to be, pay this bill or whether this job is good enough or whether I'm good enough that we create a situation that we are actually going to kill ourselves. And we all know that comes from the enemy. He is the one that is creating the situation that says to our mind that we either aren't good enough, they ain't good enough, they, I'm never going to be good at able to, to please them. This is never going to be amount to be able to take care of me. How am I going to be able to take my kid or send my kids to school? Parents worry a lot about their children, and it never stops. It never stops. Some of the things we worry about: money, job security, 
our retirement. I, I didn't worry about retirement when I was in my 20s and 30s, but all of a sudden as I got to my 40s and started thinking, time is coming to where I won't, whether I want to work or not, I won't be able to work, or somebody's not going to allow me to work, and will I be able to live? Now, I found myself consumed and worried about, am I saving enough? How much more can I put in my 401k? And then get to the point where you, I think it's 47, and now you can add more to double up and catch up to where you left behind because I went through a divorce and all this cost me so much money. And I, not only was I not saving enough when I was young enough, but now I left out of it and now I got to catch up. And what is going to happen when I'm 65? I always tell people, like, well, not people, my children, save your money now. Because quite frankly, I'm thinking I'm going to be working until I'm 80. I'm just being real. <laughs> that by the time I actually retire, three days later I'll die. Because I didn't work so long and, and, and never had enough money saved up. But why would I be consumed and worried about that? There was, it, it, there was a time early in my life when I got to a place and thinking I'm never going to get out of this hole. I'm in a hole too deep, and then all of a sudden I look back like, not only am I out of the hole, that thing is so far behind me because God is continuing to bless me. Job security, government, boy, you, you, nowadays when you, you can't go into somebody's house and we're either having a conversation against or for what's happening in this government. I, I posted on Facebook that we have had people now who have ended friendships because one person wants to make America great again and the other person says America's been great. You're just trying to take it back to a place that wasn't good for me. You have abandoned your Christian and your uh, 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 evangelical beliefs because it fits your pocketbook. Uh, or as I was talking to my frat brother last night, that we have adopted, or not we, some of us have adopted situational spirituality. See, I'll be spiritual and religious on Sunday morning, sometimes, but during the week, I'm just going to suspend my spirituality because I like what this man says. Even though his actions say he is vile, even though his actions say he doesn't know the first thing about God, and even out of his mouth when he can't even quote the Bible correctly. But I, I love his Christian values. He has not, the fruit, the fruit says he knows nothing about God. But those who still suspend their spirituality don't know nothing about God. Uh, 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 let me stop. Some of these things... <clears throat> that can be tied to our stress and worry is ego. And I was thinking about this because I was anticipating, uh, uh, anticipating, no, I don't believe that's it, Ron. Uh, but see, there's a, among preachers, you get, you, you, you answer the call and you're humbled by that call uh, and you spend these days and nights worrying, am I worthy of this call? Uh, God, are you sure you want to use somebody like me? But once you get past that, it becomes this thing among these preachers, well, now I want my ministry to be big. And I, I want my ministry to be impactful. 
and I want to have a mega church. And, and for what? And, and then you go out and you start to build a church and becomes a question. The first question people want to ask, how many members you have? <laughs> Trying to create a stressful situation that I don't have enough people in my church. I don't, how long have we been a church and this is all we got? That's ego. The, uh, uh, I don't like my job and uh, I'm doing it my way. Well, God said, the battle's not yours. Vengeance is mine. But our ego says, no, no, God, I, I, I got this. And, and even though we get into this place now, my ego has taken over and I've done and said things and I've offended the wrong person. And now my job is in jeopardy. Now I'm stressed out because of my actions that said I'm going to do it my way or the fear. And I, I was even wondering, what is why? What is it that, that over my life that has made me? Stress that has taken my stress level higher. There was some fear involved, but it was fear because there were things I didn't do that I should have done. I, I was worried about my retirement because I know I didn't save enough money. Uh, I, I'm worried about the conversation I'm going to have with my wife because I did something stupid. It, is, it all comes back to me. That what we have done as individuals, and, and even when we decide I'm going to take matters in my own hands, becomes a lack of faith because I, for some reason, I don't trust God with this one. Even though he has demonstrated my entire life, he has taken care of me. But this time, this one is a little bit out of his control. But that still comes back to me. And it creates this situation of stress. And so we're going to look at this week how, again, I feel like Pastor Ray, I've been talking for 15 minutes and I haven't even gotten to this week yet. Uh, Pastor Ray is my buddy from uh, Texas. But going to the Old Testament book of Daniel, and we're going to go to chapter 3, verse 15 through 18. And this was the uh, children of Israel have been in exile, and King Nebuchadnezzar had called and brought. Uh, four uh, people to him, or they were, had come to his service. Uh, Daniel, the writer of this book, and then uh, the three, as they keep calling the Hebrew boys, but uh, there were three brothers, that, and I'm talking about brothers in the, the, the brother sense, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we find that they had gone through this place that everybody uh, was worshiping King Nebuchadnezzar because King Nebuchadnezzar thought more of himself than what he should have been. And he built a golden image and played some music and decreed that when you hear the music, you need to bow down towards my statue and worship me. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't. And so people saw them and they were jealous of them because of the position that they had, because they were faithful men of God. And that they were being blessed because of their faithfulness. Now some people want to snitch because they didn't bow down. And so we find this here. They've already come before King Nebuchadnezzar. And he's talking to them. Starting at verse 15. Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery. In symphony with all kinds of music. And you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. Isn't that interesting? 
He's even using God's words. When he said, when God created the heavens and earth, and each, every time he created something, he said, and it was good. And now King Nebuchadnezzar is saying, you fought out of the image I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? I'm more powerful and stronger than your God. Who is going to deliver you from me? I got you right here. You are mine and ain't nothing you can do about it. Can you imagine us, not them, where now you are faced with this situation? I have to do something in order to not be judged. I have to take something that I believe and suspend it just to make sure that nothing happens to me or my family. How is that on your stress level? You imagine sitting in the, the pounding heart, the sweat running down your forehead, mouth dries out. Who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. The gall, the unmitigated gall to stand before this man, the most powerful man on the planet at the time, uh, uh, the, could be the president of the United States, if you will. The, the, this is treason. This is a matter of national security. How dare you write an anonymous letter about me? I demand that the Department of Justice go out and violate your constitutional rights because how are you going to stand before me? Who is going to deliver you from me when I send all the power of my government after you? You mean, are you seeing how, the, 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 I'm getting ready to go someplace I shouldn't, but you, 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 you see where I'm going, the, the madness that has taken over. Amen. And the madness of the people who will just do it, like these people to go and snitch and say, hey, this, these brothers ain't doing what you told them to do. You're the commander in chief. You're the one running this show. How dare them go and talk about betraying you? Hmm. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, if this is going to happen, the God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. He will deliver us from your hand. Your department of justice, anything you come, can't do nothing to me. But... If not, that's where we got to stop real quick. But if not, so either we, the whole story has been set from the beginning. We, we got this, this madman is running the government. He want all these people to worship him. He's great. He's a king. Can't nobody stop him. And then these guys said, I don't have to answer to you because I serve somebody greater than you. He will not only deliver us from your hand, I don't have to answer you. But if he doesn't do it, 
Even if he doesn't, but if not, let me tell you, President, O King, that we do not serve you or your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. But if not, those three words, but if not, you got to have a but if not in your pocket. When you are dealing with the things that are happening in your life, you got to have a but if not. I sat here, I was thinking about this all week, all those times that I have set up and worried and stressed about something, whether it was I wasn't confident that my boss liked me and it was threatening my job, whether it was an issue that I might have to lose my house, whether I was going to be, there was a time, I, t- I think I told you guys about this, I was in, just finishing college or dropping out of college as it were, and I'm working in this job and I'm spending more money than I should and my rent was due and I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, I could go back home to my mother and father who will welcome me there, or I could live in my car and not have to hear anybody talk to me. And I had actually made a decision that if things didn't go the certain way, I was going to live in my car rather than go home and face issues. I was stressed out. And I could see that if there was somebody directing and causing that, and said, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I know my God will deliver me, and I know God is going to provide for me. But if not, I'm not going to worry about it anymore. You have to get to a place in your life where a but if not is the main thing, the first thing, the stressful situation comes. I don't care whether or not you like me. I don't care whether you think that I'm doing the right thing. I don't care if I'm doing enough for you. Because God has already done everything. If I need to make more money, God will provide. I'm still going out to work. Because we said having God does not an excuse for being lazy. But even if things don't turn out the way I want them to, I'm still going to serve God. But the thing we see with these three young men, the relationship they had with each other, strengthen their relationship with God. What we see with them is that they had a friendship that survived hardship. They are gathered up by the police, probably the FBI, brought before a court where Nebuchadnezzar's there, but yet the three of them never wavered in their faith. They never wavered with each other. It, it's, my, my mom used to tell me when I was a kid, and I'd see some of the people who I wanted to hang out with, and she would say, they're no good. You don't want to hang out with them. And then you'd always hear that birds of a feather flock together. Eagles hang out with eagles. Canaries hang out with canaries. Thieves hang out with thieves. Druggies don't hang out with me because I don't do drugs. Or better yet, I don't hang out with druggies because I can't do drugs. But we hang out with people who are like us. And for some reason, I wanted to be with those clowns. Maybe there was an inner clown in me that was waiting to blossom. (laughs) I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, who we associate with are going to impact our lives. Their relationship strengthen each other, and it, it, it strengthened their relationship with God. Uh, and we can see that also from that, 
that they encouraged each other not to compromise. We have friends that don't believe in Christianity. Or they say, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. But I don't go to church. You don't need to go to church, even though God tells us to forsake not the gathering of the saints, but that's a whole other thing. I, I don't ascribe to a religion. I, I, I'm spiritual. I believe in a higher power. And we hang out with these people instead of with people who encourage us to strengthen our faith. Uh, people who go to Bible study that say you should go to Bible study. Let's matter of fact, not only should you go, I'm coming to get you so we can go. And you shouldn't be doing that, dude. I know girlie's fine, but you know, you got a wife at home. Or you got a husband at home. Or you got three kids you need to take care of. Or this is just wrong. You can't vote for your pocketbook, not if you claim your Christian values are more important to you. Then you vote according to your Christian values. But then when you see that the candidate you believe is a Christian, demonstrate that they're not a Christian, despite the fact that it's going to enhance, my fi enhance me financially, I cannot support or vote for you. Because what's supposed to be first in my life is God. But if we got friends that are telling us it's okay to do this and okay to do that, and then you know that it is not the right thing for you to do, you got to ask yourself, to ask a question to yourself, who are the friends in my life? And what are they like? Are they Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Where when we're faced with a fiery furnace, that we stand tall together? That we encourage each other, remind each other about the faith and what God has already done for us? Or are we the kind of people that hang out with David? That say, bruh, I'll roll with you as far as I can, but this, I ain't going no further. As a matter of fact, you owe me, and if you don't give it to me now, I'm getting ready to take it out your... Two different situations of, of issues and worry and strife. Remind you, a lesson from Ziklag. Everybody that's riding with you ain't riding for you. Who are the friends in your life when you are dealing with stress and worry? They may have been there, but if they've only been there for the good times, you don't know. If they've not shown up when they're bad in the bad times and we're still hanging out with them because we've known them for 30 years, you got to ask yourself, who are those friends in my life? Even in the word of God, we see 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You call yourself wondering. You, this is a question you should ask yourself. When I am stressed out and when I am worried, what do the people who love me the most say? How are they responding when I am stressed out, when I share with them my worries and my stress, what is the response I'm getting? Now, it's hard for a husband and wife because usually if one is stressed out or going through something, you're going through it together. And one might be, you know, suck it up. I'm dealing with it. 
just like you. So calm down. <laughs> we, are, we, we know what that's like. A lot of married folk and a lot of unmarried folk here. I'm going through this struggle with you. I see everything that's happening. But suck it up. And, you know, then we get in our feelings. You don't tell me to suck it up. My feelings are real. It is, it is not about that your feelings aren't real and not valid. But we in this together. We're standing there before Nebuchadnezzar together. The question is going to be, are we going to stay together holding hands, embracing each other, and encouraging each other, or are we going to go down fighting? Which, again, is the trick of the enemy to create this dissension and this strife and these issues that have us all stressed out to where we're not united any longer. We're fighting each other. We got ziklag happening in our house. You facing a fiery furnace, and you got ziklag right there pushing you in. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Your friends. Yeah, it always amazed me that married women, even married men, I don't want to just say married women, married women, married people who still have single friends who always want to party. <laughs> Knowing that number one, you ain't going out because you know what they like to do. is drinking and tail that they're chasing. I can't go that way. But yet we still hang out with them because they're my boy, it's my girl. This is my brother from another mother. This is my sister from another mister. And we, we, we just like that. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You're trying to build a life, build a family, and everything happening right in your life, and you're hanging around with people trying to tear it down. They're trying to bring ziklag and fiery furnace in your life. Who are the friends in your life? Uh, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the continents of his friend. Who are the friends in your life? When iron sharpens iron, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you can stand as a unified front and say, I don't have to answer you in this moment. I don't have to be afraid in this moment. I'm not worried about my job security. I'm not worried about my retirement. I'm not worried about how stupid my kids are acting. I'm not worried about my ignorant husband or my stupid wife. I am not worried about any of this. Because God is going to make it all right if I stay faithful to him. See, they, they had given their lives to Christ. Because we saw that from the very beginning of Daniel, that they didn't compromise, didn't even compromise the food they eat. We're not even talking about behavior. I'm not compromising the food that I'm supposed to eat to help me serve my God better. How many compromises have we made in our lives? And then when the stress comes and the worry sets in, we want to blame God for not answering my prayer. He don't even know you. Just like the song Nimaye sang, the pressure, and I can't even remember the words right now, but I don't want to be the person that the world has created. I don't want to be the person different from how God has created me. 
instead of bowing to the pressure, let my friends help me to remind me of who the God I serve is. So let's look at a couple lessons from the furnace. There's great strength in real friendship. Real friendship. Friends that when you could call you at 2 o'clock in the morning because things are going on and it is not in position. It's not, you're not looking at the call or ID and looking at No, I'll talk to him in the morning. Real friends are going to answer the phone because if you're calling me at 2 o'clock in the morning, something is wrong. Even if you're making a drunk call, something is wrong. Because now, as your friend, I got to intercede and stop this thing that's happening in your life. Uh, second thing, it is important that we align ourselves with people who share our faith. Point blank, simple. It's, if we are not hanging out with people who think and act like we do, well, let me rephrase that. If we're not hanging with people who think and act like we should, we'll continue to act and think as we think <laughs> as the world is going to be comfortable with compromising everything we believe in compromising everything our, all of our actions to satisfy our flesh or our pleasure and then be wondering why things are not going right and God can be trusted even when you can't predict the outcome they knew that they could trust God even though they were facing this fiery furnace. And the word even says that when Nebuchadnezzar was so mad that he told them to jack the heat up, I forgot how many more times than normal. How many? Seven times. Seven times normal to get it extra hot. I want, not only do I want them to burn, I want to burn them up completely. And the word even said that the men who bound them up and dropped them in the furnace, they were consumed because the fire was so hot, but it never touched Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego. The next morning when Nebuchadnezzar goes out and, and sees them looking through, he looks through the glass, he said, well, did we put three in there? Why do I see four? Because the angel was there protecting them. And when they walked out, said not only were they not burned, they didn't even smell like smoke. God can be trusted even when you can't predict the outcome. I might be evicted. I might lose my job. I might have to work till I'm 92 years old. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but God can still be trusted. So we're going through this whole thing of worry and stress and this, this whole thing. Don't worry, be happy. It's not about the song. It is about the fact that you don't have to worry. You keep doing what you're supposed to do. You keep trusting in God. You continue to be faithful to God. God is still going to be there with you. Right. We can trust him even when we don't know the outcome. Amen. 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 Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. And we praise you and we give your name the glory.